All right, well, we're, gonna, we're going to uh, turn now to the sermon series that we started last week called The Generosity Paradox. The Generosity Paradox. And what I want to do today is I want to talk about generosity in an area of life that we rarely think about. Often when we think about generosity, we think about financial giving. But today I want to talk about generosity that we experience in our mind and in our thoughts. So I'm going to read a short verse from the letter to the Philippians. We'll start off with that, and then we'll explore this. Uh, and then at the end of service, we will be taking the bread and the cup and, and the Lord's Supper together. So in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, it says this. Brothers and sisters, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi, and, and indirectly then writing to us. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, somebody say true. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, he says, think about those things. Spend some time thinking about those things that are true and right and pure and noble and excellent and praiseworthy. Think about those things. Today, I want to preach for just the next few moments on the subject, a generous mind a generous mind. Let's bow our hearts one more time, bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for drawing us together as a family. Thank you for being present with us. Lord, we pray that this teaching today from your word would, would distill in our heart, would take deep root in our heart, uh, and that it would grow. And I pray, Lord God, that it would sprout and it would grow and it would change us and transform us, that we would become a people who have the mind of Jesus, a mind of humility and generosity, a mind of sacrifice and selfless love. I pray, Lord God, that this uh, sermon, Lord, would honor you and, um, and bless those who are here to hear it. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. A generous mind. Question, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever woken up mad? I mean just, anybody ever just woken up mad? Like you just wake up ticked off. Anybody not ever done that? Okay, good, all right, good. You just wake up mad. If, you, if, if you've ever done that, it's hard to figure out why you're mad when you wake up. You're just mad, you just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. You brush your hair mad, you go downstairs, you make mad breakfast, you're mad while you're making breakfast, you eat mad, get dressed mad, right? You're just mad. You get in your car, you drive mad to work. <laughs> you're laughing like you know what I'm talking about. When the person at the light doesn't go right when it turns green, you're like ready to hit the horn, you're just mad. You get to work, printer ticks you off, internet ticks you off, the copier ticks you off, you're just mad everywhere. Come home mad, you drive home mad, you go back to bed mad. Sometimes that happens to us. We're just mad. I woke up mad about a couple weeks ago. And I'm a little embarrassed to tell you why I woke up mad. My wife and I were on a retreat, on a pastor's retreat. A retreat designed for refreshing and rejuvenation. And as we went to bed that night, we flipped on the TV, which we, which we never do. We just never watch TV right before we go to bed. So we flipped on the TV because it's there. And there was a terrible show on the television, a reality show that I urge you to never watch. It's called Married at First Sight. 
Wow. We need to pray through today, people. <laughs> As you can imagine, in the show, from the name of the show, the people in the show get married before they ever actually physically met each other. I hate to say it, but it doesn't generally work out so well for them, right? Because they're just bickering and they're fighting. And we, we, we're watching the show, and, and I fall asleep really easily. And so we're watching the show. I only saw about three minutes of the show. And the three minutes I, sh I saw was this couple that had gotten married a week ago and were getting divorced tonight. And they're mad and they're fussing and they're going after each other, okay? And then I fell asleep. And then about 4 o'clock in the morning, I had a dream. I dreamed that Rebecca and I had a marital conflict. I dreamed that we got into an argument. Mind you, we did not get into an argument. We did not have a marital conflict. I dreamed that we had a marital conflict. And I woke up mad about a fight that I didn't have. She's resting peacefully in the bed beside me. And I'm fuming over here going, I can't believe... And then I'm going, well, she didn't actually say that. I dreamt that she said that. But I can't believe that if we did argue, then she probably would say that. Now, the problem is none of this happened. Like, there were no objective reality. There was no actual fight. There was no issue going on at that time. It was all going on in my mind. And it wasn't even my conscious mind. It was my dream state. I was mad because of a thought that I had while I was asleep. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you don't control your thoughts, your thoughts will control you. See, the, the, the thought is a very powerful thing. A thought is extremely powerful. A, an airplane can drop a bomb or it can drop a pallet of food. A spoon can deliver medicine or it can deliver poison. A knife can kill somebody or it can cut out a cancer. A thought, a thought can either encourage you or discourage you. It can empower you or it can di disempower you. It can fill you with faith or it can fill you with fear. And the Apostle Paul is saying to us in the letter to the Philippians, he's saying, I want you to get a hold of the thoughts that will create in you a generous mind. I want you to get a hold of those thoughts, things that are true, things that are noble, things that are right, things that are praiseworthy, things that are excellent things that are admirable. I want you to get a hold of those thoughts. And here's why this is important. Because your thoughts impact literally every aspect of your life. Your relationship, your relationship is impacted deeply by the thoughts that you meditate on. Your career is heavily impacted by the thoughts that you allow and that you entertain. Your spiritual life, whether you live a life of, of, of courage and faith, or a life of despair and, and, and weakness is determined largely by the thoughts that you entertain. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, I want you to have good thoughts because you'll, you'll have good circumstances. Pure thoughts will lead to pure circumstances. Noble thoughts will lead to nob nobility in your life. Praiseworthy thoughts will bring praiseworthy actions out of you. When we talk about generosity, we're not talking about an act. We're talking about an attitude. We're not talking about one thing that somebody does, right? I bring some coats and now I'm a generous person. No. Generosity is an orientation of your mind and an orientation of your heart. And the Apostle Paul is saying, I want you to have a generous mind. And we're going to find out 
at the end here in just a few moments what kind of mind Jesus had. So how do we, how do we develop a generous mind? This is where it gets tricky for me because it's one thing for the Apostle Paul to say, I want you to meditate on things that are pure and noble, you know, praiseworthy. That's one thing for him to say that. How do I actually do that? So what I want to do today for just the next few moments is I want to give you a step-by-step um, series of disciplines and actions that you can take that will help you develop a disciplined, a discipline of, of mental and emotional generosity. The first one is this. We need to capture ungenerous thoughts. We need to capture thoughts that do not conform to the teachings of Christ. We need to capture thoughts that are in disobedient to Christ. Can you hand me that prop right there? We need to capture those thoughts. Anybody know what this is? It's time for you to change this, by the way. When you get home today, you're welcome. Please change this. This is a, this is a filter for an air conditioning unit. And the whole purpose of this filter is to capture pollen, dust, cat dander, bacteria, particles that are floating around in your house that are not good for you. That's the purpose of the filter. If you don't have the filter, those particles, those toxic particles will come into your lungs and they will cause you harm. They'll cause you damage. But the filter is aimed at capturing the bacteria and the particles that will do you harm. We need a mental filter as followers of Jesus. We don't need to let every thought in. Every thought you have is not necessarily a true thought. It sounds true because it's in your voice, but it's not necessarily true. We need to capture some of those thoughts that come in that are not in conformity, that are not in obedience to Christ. There's a phenomenon called confirmation bias. I don't know if you've heard of confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is the tendency to believe evidence that supports something that you already believe and to dismiss evidence that does not support something that you already believe. We all have this. It's called confirmation bias. So, for instance, if you believe, if you have a preconception that left-handed people are more creative. Every time you encounter a left-handed person that's creative, you'll say, see, left-handed people are more creative. And every time you encounter a, right, uh, a left-handed person that's not creative, you'll say, well, that's just an anomaly because left-handed people are more creative, right? Because you have a thought in your mind and you will dismiss evidence that does not conform to your thought and you will embrace evidence that supports your point of view. No, I'm left-handed, so I'm going to stick with my confirmation bias. Is there any lefties in the house? More creative. But that's what confirmation bias is. It turns out, though, that not every thought floating around, every particle of thought floating around in our heart and mind is actually true. And so we need a way to capture and filter the thoughts that are not true. Here's what the Scripture says. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Here's my question. What thoughts are you having that are not obedient to Christ? What thoughts do you hear percolating up over and over in your mind that are not obedient to Christ? That do not conform to the teachings and the image of Jesus? What thoughts do you have? Don't tell me. Don't shout it out. But I might encourage you to write it down. 
What thoughts do you need to make obedient to Christ? What thoughts do you need to capture in order to transform them into obedient thoughts to Christ? Thoughts that are true and noble and kind and praiseworthy, right, and admirable. So that's number one. We are, we are capturing ungenerous thoughts. Number two is we're collecting generous thoughts. We're collecting generous thoughts. If we want to have a transformed mind, one of the things that we want to do is we want to start embracing and adopting the thoughts that we hear other people have that are in conformity to Christ. In Florida last summer, sometime, was it in Florida? No, Virginia Beach. We were, I was with my son, Augustine, and he wanted to have a contest on the beach where we're collecting shells. So he said, let's have a contest and we'll collect shells and whoever has the most shells wins. And I'm like, great, let's compete. He's only eight, but I'm like, I'm going to dominate this guy, man, on the shell. Okay. Just gonna. So I start collecting shells and we collected shells for about five minutes. And then I show him my shells and he shows me his shells. And I got way more shells than him. And he looks at my shells and he goes, dad, those aren't shells. Those are bits of shells. You can't just collect a bit of a shell. That's basically a big piece of sand. You got to collect a nice shell. It's got to be a whole shell. It's got to be a beautiful shell. It's got to have a good color. To you got to have a real shell, man. You can collect. You can just pick up piles of sand and call them shells. That's not the way to do it, right? We need to. We need to not just pick up any thought that comes down the road, any thought that we hear on Facebook, any thought that we hear on Instagram. We don't want to just absorb any thought that anybody tells us. We need to collect the thoughts that are in conformity with the teachings and the life of Jesus. We need to be particular about not only the thoughts that we capture to get rid of, but we need to be particular about the thoughts that we collect and embrace. One thing that I love to do is I like to put myself in context, in relationships with people who are spiritually more mature than me. I, spent, I just spent some time with my pastor, Bishop Claude Alexander. And one of the great joys of spending time with him is he's more experienced than me. And he's, and he's been in ministry longer than me. And he's wise, and he's intelligent, and I like to listen to him, and there are thoughts that he has that I collect, and I put them in my file drawer. Now, if I preach him, I'm going to try to give him credit, but only the first time. After that, it's my thought. <laughs> I've just embraced it. Love you, Bishop. So, but, but that's the reality. The reality is that sometimes we need to pause and we need to start collecting some thoughts of other people that are spiritually mature, that are living lives that, are, that, are, that we respect, right? You see somebody having a good relationship, it's, it's not necessarily about the relationship, it's about the thoughts that they're having that make the relationship the way it is. Go learn how people think and start collecting some thoughts. Remember what it said. It said thoughts that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely, and admirable, and excellent, and praiseworthy. These are the kinds of thoughts that we need to collect. Number three is this. We need to curate our thoughts. Curate. This is a fancy word. Let me, let me, let me make, it, make it easier for us. Anybody remember these things that we used to make way back in the day? Anybody remember that? Mixtape. Mixtape was an act of curation. You got all these songs, and you have to choose some songs to put on your tape, and you have to eliminate some other songs that are not on the tape. Now, when mixtapes came out, the whole point of mixtapes was to make a, a, a tape for somebody that you had a crush on or somebody that you liked, 
and the songs would then express how you felt about them. But you had to be careful. You had to be careful because a mixtape could go creepy real fast if you weren't careful by whatever song you put on the mixtape. I made a mixtape when I was in junior high for a girl that I liked. And a couple of my, a couple of my songs did not pass her father's filter. A couple of the songs, said, I'm not, I don't think I appreciate those songs on the tape, right? We've got to curate our thoughts. Curate means we're going to put some on and we're going to remove some. There are thoughts that might have been useful to you at a prior time in your life that are no longer useful to you. There are thoughts that you might want to say, listen, I, I, don't, I don't need that thought anymore. I don't want to think that thought anymore. I've changed. I've matured, and I need a higher level of thought. Is the thought true? Is it kind? Is it pure? Is it noble? What kind of thought am I having? Now, sometimes what we need to do is we need to refresh the filter. We need to take the filter out, and we need to put a new filter in because we need to refresh the filter. Sometimes our mind can get caught up in self-focused, self-centered, self-interested thoughts. And sometimes we just need a reboot by the Spirit. Here's what the Scripture says. Here's how it says it in Romans. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your filter. Sometimes we need to say, God created me a clean heart. And renew in me a right spirit. I need to pause because I've gotten gummed up with some thoughts that are not generous towards me or towards other people. Right? You can think, you can think a thought without having real evidence either way. When you start to examine other people's motives, when you start to think you know what other people's motives are, a lot of times you're just coming up with stuff on your own. And we need a generous way to think about one another right? We need a generous way to think about ourselves. We need a generous way to think about those with whom we disagree. We need a generous mind. And then the fourth step is this, and I'm going to close. We need to cultivate generous thoughts. The ones that we've curated, the ones that we've embraced, the ones that we've accepted, we need to spend time cultivating them and growing them. If you drive down the Del Mar Loop any time in the morning, any day of the week, there's a, there's a person that works for a, a group, a nonprofit called You City in Bloom. And this, it's a young woman. I don't know how old she is, maybe in her 30s, 20s, 30s, 40s. I don't know. But she is up and down the loop. If you, I drive up and down the loop all the time. She is up and down the loop every day. All the flowers that you see out on the loop, her and her team are making those, are, are, are cultivating those flowers. And if she did that once and left it alone, my Lord, it would work for about a week. But you've got to cultivate over and over. You've got to nourish. You've got to spend time. You've got to put uh, water. You've got to put food. You've got to spend time cultivating the thoughts that you want to have in your heart and in your mind. The scripture says this in the book of Isaiah. It says, you, God, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is what? Is stayed on you. Is stayed on you. So the reality is, God is calling us as his people to have a generous mind, to to change and be transformed by the renewing of our mind, to live a life and to think a life that is pure and noble and kind and generous and right and praiseworthy and excellent. But in order to do that, we've got to capture some of the thoughts that are not that. We need to collect some of the thoughts that are that. 
We need to sift through the ones. We need to curate. You know, an, an art curator doesn't just collect. They curate. They remove and they embrace. So we need to embrace some and we need to remove some. And then those that we keep, we want to cultivate. Now, as we close, I know that the challenge that many of us face is that sometimes we are flooded by thoughts and flooded by emotion. And sometimes we just say, well, man, I, this is great, but how am I going to just stop and cultivate and curate and captivate and all that? How am I going to do that, right? And sometimes we cannot. But here's the beautiful thing. There is one who did. There is one who came and experienced all of the anxiety, all of the pain, all of the hardship, all of the struggle, all of the temptation that you and I face, and yet without sin. The scripture says this in Philippians. This is the Apostle Paul in the same letter from the beginning. He says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, and being one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Don't do it for you. Be generous, he's saying. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Do you get a, do you get a generosity mindset here? This is Jesus saying, I want you to, this is, this is the mind of Jesus that is demonstrating for us what it looks like to be like Jesus with our mind. Thinking about the, the other, thinking about the one that's in pain, thinking about the one who is hurting. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Let that sink in for a moment. Jesus, who being in very nature equal to God, said, I'm not going to use that to my advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Today, as we close this service, we're going to recognize the generosity, the sacrificial generosity of our Savior. The mindset that said, though I am God, I'm not going to take that to my own advantage. Rather, I'm going to humble myself even to death, death on a cross. And we're going to celebrate the one whose mind we desire, who we want to be like. And we're going to we're going to pray to him and say, God, we, we can't always control the kinds of thoughts that we have in our mind. We know that you want us to discipline those thoughts. But there are times where we just need you. We just need you. Because we have failed bitterly in our mind. And God, I just, we're just going to be praying. God, just enter into our hearts. Enter into our minds as we celebrate your sacrifice for us. So here's how we're going to close the service today. At U-City, here in U-City, we have two communion stations in the front, we have two in the middle, and then we actually have two in the back, right outside the doors. And in, in, a, and in a moment, I'm going to invite everybody here and everybody at Shaw. Shaw, you have two communion stations in the front, two in the middle, and you have one up in the balcony. And in a moment, I'm going to invite um, our communion servers to come forward, and then we will all stand together, then 
we will pray together, and then we will all come and take the bread and the cup. And what I would ask for you to do is to not eat the bread or the cup. Just hold on to it. Go back to your seat. And when everybody's got the bread and the cup at both, both locations, then we'll pray and we'll take it together. Now, if you are a person today who is not quite sure where you stand with Jesus, and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, and this kind of, a, um, of a, a, an action, taking the bread and the cup, is foreign to you, I would just ask that you observe. Just observe and soak in the meaning and the import of what we're doing. Because what we're doing is we're celebrating his body that was broken for us and his blood that was spilled. We're celebrating the, the greatest act of generosity known to mankind. And if today you say in your heart, I want to follow that Jesus, then we will be available at the end of service here to pray with you and to pray for you. So let's stand together at both campuses now. I'm going to pray for us. If our communion servers could please come to all of their stations at both campuses and be prepared to offer the elements. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are present with us, not only in times of rejoicing, but in times of suffering. When we don't understand the suffering of the world, we just look upon you who suffered on our behalf, who endured shame, the death, even the death of the cross. And Father, we thank you for your willingness to send your son. We thank you for Jesus who gave his life generously and sacrificially for each and every one of us. And we pray, Lord God, that today we would take a moment and honor and celebrate and remember the sacrifice that he made. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. I invite you now to come to any of the six stations and take the bread and the cup.
on the night Jesus was betrayed, he broke bread and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. And then he poured the cup and he said, drink. This is the blood of my covenant that's being poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your sacrifice. We thank you for the generosity. You loved us so much that you gave. You gave your only begotten son. I pray for each and every person in this building today, Lord God, that they would experience the love through the sacrifice of Jesus, the love of the Father. I pray, Lord God, that each and every one of us would be filled with your spirit today. We would be filled with your power. We would be filled, Lord God, with the strength that comes only by opening our hearts and receiving in our minds the truth of who you are. I pray that our hearts and our minds would be filled with that which is true and noble and praiseworthy and good and kind and pure and excellent. I pray, Lord God, that each of us today would be transformed by the renewing of our hearts and the renewing of our minds. We thank you, we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen.